right, Heather, sing me a song that's a cover of another song, but sucks. Or, or at least is like, reminds you of another song, but sucks. So you could do like Ice Ice Baby. Since that, that reminds is, you of Under Pressure. Because well, it's technically a ripoff of Under Pressure, but it's not as good. But you can't no hmm. longer use that one since I already said it. Okay. Basically a song that's a ripoff of another song, but not a good one. But sucks. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, hmm. This is tough. Um, oh, man. I know that there are some, and I'm just blanking on them. Um, let me see. Let me see. Hmm. I'm blanking. I don't know. Um, so what you're saying is on a bonus episode, you're going to lose a point. I know. That's why I just hold on. I'm racking my brain. I'm racking my brain. Um, hmm. Man, I can't think of any. I guess well, I have Heather. to lose a point. Oh, don't don't act like you're conceding that. Like it's your choice <laughs> to lose a point. Because it is mine. Mm. And you were yes, losing a that's point. that's expected. Okay. I don't know why I can't think of any, because there's so many that I'm just like, mm, that wasn't as good as the original. But I can't think right now of any of those. I mean, I would have accepted Hurt by Johnny Cash, because I don't think it's a good version of the Nine Inch Nails song. So. Oh, okay. It's not. The Nine Inch Nails song is infinitely better. And fuck Johnny Cash. So there. Take that. Well, there's that. So are you ready to hear our song that's not a ripoff of something else? I'm ready. Somebody will listen to me. Nobody knows anything but you. Cinema Slayers. Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by just Heather, no Justin tonight, and we will be talking about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with the Netflix movie, A Woman in a Window, or A Woman in the Window. I don't know, something about women in windows, whatever the movie's called. I'm a little intoxicated. I got into the wine very early and very often before we started recording this episode. So just <laughs> sit back and relax and enjoy this fucking ride. Um, we will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores and then go into a more spoiler-centric section. So with that, Heather, what are your spoiler-free thoughts about Woman in a Window or Woman in the Window? What the fuck is the name of this movie? The Woman in the Window. The Woman in the Window. Yes. Okay, there you go. What are your spoilers? See? Oh my God, I'm so tongue tied already. What are your spoiler free oh, thoughts? This is going to be fun. About this fucking movie. <laughs> um, well, really, just in a nutshell, it is not good. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, the thing about it is it's not even a long movie, but it feels long because it's kind of boring for, for my taste. Um, I mean, you know, we've seen, we've seen certain things other than this that are similar, but it's like this one tried to do something that has been a good movie in the past and then turn it into, it just, it did not make it better. It actually made the concept worse. So it was not, um, it wasn't really a good story. It wasn't, a very well told story. Um, I, I mean, they have a lot of good people in the movie, like the cast. There's, there's a lot of good people in the cast, but I can't necessarily say that their performances were kind of up to the par of what they normally are. Amy Adams. I don't think she did a bad job playing her role, but I just don't think that her character was really, um, they, they didn't, execute her character as well as I think they could have in general, as well as most of the other characters in this movie. Um, 
Brian Tyree Henry is probably the best part about this movie. Um, and that's, yeah, I mean, he's great and everything, but there's, there's just so many other good people in this, like Gary Oldman and, um, Julianne Moore and just so many people that are so good that this is just, you kind of feel like, why, why did you want to do this movie? Like, what was your point in it? You know, you feel like this is that movie that they're just like, sure, you know, we need work right now because what else is there to do in the middle of a pandemic or something? And so they just decided to be a part of this movie or something. I don't know. But it was not good. <laughs> and I definitely um, just, I, I was not at all intrigued by really anything that was going on. I think there were a couple of scenes more towards the latter half of the movie that were a bit more interesting, but as a whole, it didn't make the movie any better. Well, I don't know if it'll be good news or bad news for you, but this movie was filmed before the pandemic. Oh, was it? Oh, yep. My bad. My apologies. No, I'm just saying, I don't know if it's going to make you feel better because it wasn't even that. It wasn't even that they had (laughs) nothing else to do. They went into this before anything going, I want to make this movie. That does not make it better. So, yeah, I mean, definitely. What were any of you thinking? I want to say this movie was filmed in 2018. So like some brief history about this movie. It's based on a book by some fucking guy that was a book editor. And he wanted to be an author. And this movie was optioned for a movie before the book was even published. And then the book came out. And everybody's like, oh, that just rips off a lot of shit. And then they filmed the movie. And test audiences hated the ending so much that they reshot the ending. I don't know what the ending is to the book. I don't know what the original ending was. So I don't even know if the ending of this movie is closer to the book or further away or what. All I know is test audiences hated the ending, so they reshot it, and they tested it again, and audiences still hated the ending, and they said, fuck it, we're not putting any more money into this movie, and then the pandemic happened, and so Netflix just bought it so it could get aired. So That's kind of a brief history of this movie. We'll get into more of some of those details. Um... But yes, like you mentioned, it's got Gary Oldman, Julianne Moore, Amy Adams, Wyatt Russell, Anthony Mackie, Brian Tyree Henry. It's got a really good cast in it. The problem with this movie is, outside of Amy Adams, no one is in this movie fucking long enough to actually be good or not. Mm -hmm. Gary Oldman is the most wasted actor in this movie. And by that, I don't mean wasted kind of like I am right now. I'm saying he's in this movie so fucking little it could have been anyone else. Nothing about yeah. that part screams, hey, Gary Oldman, play me. Other than Gary Oldman probably was pulling a Michael Caine, needed a new swimming pool or some shit, so he did this movie. I mean, that's kind of how like all the actors feel in this movie. They had some bills they needed to pay. And so they did this movie to pay those bills instead of just using the money they already had. Because... Mm. No one in this movie outside of Amy Adams is in this movie for any memorable amount of time. I know you were talking about like how Brian Tyree Henry might be the best person in this movie. I'm going to argue he's not in the movie enough to qualify for that. Hmm. I have zero problems with anything he did, but he's just not in the movie long enough. I actually have zero problems with anything any of the actors did other than choosing to be in this movie. To me, it was just a waste of everybody. I don't even remember how long this movie was like its actual runtime. I know it's, it's like, like an hour 38 or something. Really? Like that. Cause it feels about 9.7 hours. Yeah. It's super, it feels really long. It is an hour 40. Okay. It felt longer than the Zack Snyder justice league. <laughs> it felt longer than Endgame. It felt longer than army of the dead. It felt longer than midsummer. This is one of the longest feeling movies I have ever watched. And it does itself no favors because it's got a weird twist. It's not the twist ending, but it's got a weird twist that weirdly takes place two thirds of the way through the movie. But you know, it doesn't really matter and you don't really end up caring about it. 
because there's still 40 minutes left in the movie. You don't care. Like you're sitting there going, well, this is like, they're almost making, they film it in such a way. It feels like they're trying to end the movie there, but it's still got 40 minutes left. The way they shoot that scene feels so weird. It feels mm-hmm. like something you would get in the last 10 minutes of a, of a different movie. But they throw it in there, and then you press your little screen to see how much time is left in the movie, and it goes 40 minutes, and you go, <laughs> oh, this don't matter. Yeah. There's still most of the movie left. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, much, how, how long did you say? An hour 40? Yeah. So what? That's 100 minutes? So damn near 40% of the movie is left when that happens. Yeah. I mean, so this movie, like a lot of people were criticizing the movie and then also criticizing the book, apparently also because they're like, oh, it's a big ripoff of Rear Window. And I'm like, well, if you ever saw the trailer for this movie, you're like, oh, it's another remake of Rear Window. That's just Mm -hmm. what I thought it was. I didn't even know it was based on a book when I first saw it. I just thought they were like, oh, they're doing another remake of Rear Window. Yeah. And I wasn't necessarily excited about that because I think Rear Window's great. And I already like the other remake we kind of got, which if you don't know what that is, Senate fans out there, that is the movie Disturbia with Shia LaBeouf. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that movie. Yeah, I think I think it's a it, I think it's a, a good enough modern remake of Disturbia, or I mean of uh, uh, of Rear Window. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I agree. Is it as good as Rear Window? No, it's not. But is it a good enough modern remake of it to where you could get kids to watch it, especially at the time, kids to watch it, and they would like it? And it's kind of like you hide vegetables into something. You know, you're like tricking <laughs> yeah. them into liking something good. Yeah. You know, and I, I thought that was fine. I, and this is just not. <laughs> not at all. They no, this is not fine in any way. So much stuff into it. But then, then there's also no suspense and also no real mystery. And I really want to say more. So I'm going to stop myself right now because I'm going to say more if I keep going. So recommendations and scores? Yeah. Recommendations and scores. All right, Heather. Go. Yeah. As you can tell, Cinefans, definitely I do not recommend this movie. Um, There's nothing about it that will not have been something you've seen better in something else like Rear Window or Disturbia or even not even specific remakes, but certain concepts of, uh, of what they, what they do here that you, you've definitely seen it done better literally in anything else or any little hint of stuff that they have potentially ripped off or tried to redo. It is all done in a better way in literally anything else that you would have seen. Um, and again, like Amy Adams is, you know, you can tell that she really, you know, was performing and acting in this movie, but it, the, the story and the characters are not interesting enough for you to really care that she's performing the way she is. Um, and yeah, there's, it's just not as coherently told, like, um, kind of like what Sterling was saying, there's pieces in it that you're just like the way that you pieced this story together could have been done in a better way. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a, it's not even a slow burn because again, that would imply that there's some kind of like a payoff and there's not, it's the slow burn without the burn, if you will. Um, it's just slow. <laughs> and yeah, so I, I do, I do not think it's worth it. Um, like Sterling said to watch rear window, watch Disturbia. If you want a movie that's like this, um, it has more suspense. It has better performances and a better story all around. So that's going to be a better bet if you're looking for something. If you if you saw this and you're like, oh, the concept is interesting, watch one of those instead for sure. Um, I'm going to give this. Mm, I'm going to give this <laughs> uh, 25 garden rakes to the side of the face out of 100. Nah, don't watch it. Uh, 
<laughs> watch Rear Window, watch Disturbia, watch that episode of Monk that's based around his brother Ambrose, who's agoraphobic and stays in his house the whole time, or any of these other random buddy cop TV shows where they end up doing a version of this. They do a right. version of this in Castle that's better. You know, there's just a billion other versions of this thing. Watch those. They're all paying homage to Rear Window anyway. So if you really just want to watch Rear Window, it really is that simple. Just watch that. It's just better. This just sucks. Just beginning to end, just filled with nonstop suckiness. Yep. I don't even really want to score it. What'd you give it again? 25. All right. You gave it 25. So I'm going to go. Let's see. We go and you know, we drop 20 from there. And then we drop 20 from there. <laughs> and we drop five. And then we drop five. So I'm going to give it a negative. Fuck, what would it be? I, I can't do math right now. I was going to say, is math going to work for you right now? So negative 15. Oh, boy. Because okay. the. The, the the plot twist or what the first major plot twist happens 40 minutes before this ends. So I'm going to minus 40 from your score, which is negative 15. Mm. I'm going to give it a negative 15. Why is anybody in this movie out of a hundred? <laughs> yeah. Uh, spoilers. Yep. Spoilers. Yeah. I really need to get to this section because I don't, I, I got tired of dancing around a lot of the shit. Like, yeah, it's hard with this one not to just go into it. I mean, when you have the, like I said, the the big first plot twist is that her family that she's been talking to the whole movie is actually dead and they got killed in a car wreck caused by her like well before that and all this other stuff. That was just so dumb. Like, I know that was like, oh, that caused her a psychotic break and this and that and blah, 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 blah. Like, it just was so dumb. <laughs> yeah. Like. A, especially because, like, they hint towards all this shit that they don't actually play into in any of the rest of the movie. Like, the fact that she was having an affair. Why didn't that really get mm -hmm. brought up other than that? You know? And it's yep. just, like, I understand that that was her psychotic break, and that's why she didn't realize, like, she thought she was talking to her family and all this other stuff, blah, blah, blah. But, like, you just don't care. That's the problem. This movie doesn't make you care. And the fact that her ex or her dead husband was Anthony Mackie really makes you wish that you did care. Mm -hmm. Love me some Anthony Mackie. I think he's fantastic. You made me not care about Anthony Mackie. Fuck you movie. Right. Agreed. Like you made me not care about Brian Tyree Henry. Fuck you movie. Mm. <laughs> I like Cardinal sins. I like Wyatt Russell. He had facial hair in this. So he's back to being good. And you made me not care about him. Yeah. Like, I cannot care about Gary Oldman sometimes. I mean, just watch Make. It's very easy not to care. And like, Julianne Moore's kind of hit or miss in her movies. You know? I don't really have problems with her per se. But like, you know, she's... But she's in this movie for like, what? Four minutes? Yep. And Something like, like that. Yeah, she's in it for like four minutes. Gary Oldman's in it. I think throughout the whole movie, I think a combined total of maybe five and a half minutes. But like the problem with this movie in this day and age and everything like that is that you know it's not what the main character is saying. You know it's not what Amy Adams' character is saying that he killed his wife and the woman that's now there is not his real wife. You just know in this day and age with the internet and all this other shit that that would be impossible. So you yeah. like you know that's just not what happened. You know what I mean? So at no point when you find out that it's not what happened, but it was this other thing, you're like, well, yeah, no shit. Because it obviously wasn't the thing you're trying to tell me it is, movie. Like, it's 2021. With Facebook, it's already almost impossible. Right. You know? So it's just that type of mystery doesn't work set right now. At least not in the stupid way they did it. But then also, when you have it being Wyatt Russell, like, having slept with the woman, and then happens to know what her name is and all this other shit, like, and then that this woman that he slept with just told her, him, his, her whole life story, you're just like, oh my god, how fucking convenient. Exactly. 
you know, but they couldn't put two and two together at any point. Right. You know, at no point did anybody go, oh, hey, that looks like one of my ex-wife's drawings, you know, Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Or when, or when she was like telling everybody, no, Wyatt Russell, like the girl or Wyatt Russell had the girl's earrings in her room. And he was like, yeah, no, that was like, that was a girl Katie's that I fucked the other night. Why didn't he go, oh, fuck, did you talk to Katie? Because he knew the whole backstory of her relationship with the people across the street. He knew all that. He knew the answer the whole time. Why didn't he just go, oh, yeah, that guy's ex-wife slash that kid's mom was like, fucked me the other night, and I didn't know it until afterward. Why wouldn't he say that? Yeah. Yeah. They all just still acted like, I'm just so confused by anything you're saying. Like, as if none of it would make sense to him. (laughs) Yeah. And like, you know, they send off the kid to go to that camp and all this other shit. And he's like, oh, the secret is, is you sneak away before you even get there. Wouldn't that camp call his parents and go, hey, your kid never showed up. Is he actually still coming yet? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Like, it's all these little things that this movie just never succeeds at. Like, that woman, like, Amy Adams' character, like, they treat her like they couldn't do anything. She obviously presented a clear and present danger to herself and others. They could have institutionalized her instantly. And they just act like they're like, oh, nope, nothing we can do. She's just crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, and would they actually have allowed like that confrontation where the people she's accusing of the murder, like they would have allowed them to be oh, just constantly coming it. in the house. Yeah. 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 No coming in the house, discussing it. Like, listen, so this is what she's saying. You did. She's saying you murdered someone. You got any thoughts on that? Like they wouldn't really just <laughs> allow how it played out to have played out that way. Yeah. You know, they're like, all right guys, we're all in the same room. Now let's talk this out. Did you kill your wife? With your woman that's your wife right next to you. like Yeah, exactly. They're doing all that. And also, like, she clearly has a psychotic break. Like, whilst they're talking, she zones out and realizes her family is dead. And then she just goes, oh, you're right. My family is dead. And that's your wife. I'm sorry. And they just go, oh, shit. Everything's fine now. Let's leave her be. No, this woman clearly had a psychotic Mm -hmm. break right there. And is... A yeah. fucking danger, you know? Yeah. I mean, they didn't even do so much as like a, hey, do you have anyone that you can call to like stay with you or something, you know? Yeah. And then after her, like she talks to her doctor and she's telling her doctor about all of it. He's like, oh, you're crazy. And you're like, yeah, she is. And then she's like, oh, I'll do your meds and stuff. And you're just like, fuck, man. <laughs> and like when this woman records a suicide note, doesn't kill herself, but then gets attacked. And then Brian Tyree Henry's character is like, oh, I watched your video. And he's like, you can erase it, though. But, like, I understand he's trying to be compassionate, but then also have the compassion of being like, no, she might kill herself. Right. Like, like you understand why we have to do something about this. Yeah. You need to tell a medical professional. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, nothing about this movie really kind of coherently goes like she's agoraphobic which yes technically just means you're afraid to go outside but like she is so comfortable with people though like at the beginning of the movie she acts like she's not you know when she's like Mm -hmm. oh i wasn't expecting people but then as soon as people get around her she's just like all fine all fine that's true constantly throughout the movie just once people get around her, she's fine. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just one of those things, like I said, and then you have all these people that are barely in this movie and you're just constantly questioning why. And w- then when the son turns out to be the killer, you just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't necessarily see it coming, but I also didn't care at that point. You know what I mean? Well, I think the reason why you didn't see it coming is because it's the second time they had to shoot the ending. Yeah. So they didn't really plan while they were making this movie for that to be the ending. So they don't really set it up to be that. Mm-hmm. You know, I really wish I had looked up what the actual ending was or what the book ending was. 
But then that means I would spend more time thinking about this movie. And I just didn't want to bring myself to do it. But like, oh man, it's just, it's just a very frustrating movie. Like at a certain point, I wish they had just remade Rear Window. Just remake it instead. Yeah. Just do that. Don't do this bullshit, like, F-tier movie ripoff of it that's just glossy and shiny. I mean, this movie has, obviously has production value. It's obviously got talent in it. It's a very shiny production. It's got all the glitz and the glamour and the polish you would want from a high-end mystery movie. But what it doesn't have is a good story or a good mystery or good direction or good writing or just anything. I mean, this woman is taking meds to the point that she is hallucinating and no one gives a fuck. I just, it's mind boggling how much the police are in her business and openly commenting on the fact that she is drunk and on antipsychotics and all this other stuff and clearly hallucinating, and they just go, no danger here. Right. And then, after getting stabbed in the face and being in the hospital and all this other shit, she's had a cathartic experience, and she's just fine? Also, mm-hmm. she's a bad cat mom, because when she puts her cat in the cat carrier to go outside, she doesn't zip the top of it up. That cat can just open it up and jump out. She didn't zip it shut. You can't just do that with a cat that doesn't <laughs> want to be in a carrier. You would never do that to your cats. No, I zip them up properly. And then when I'm transporting them, every once in a while, I'll unzip it a little bit and I'll stick my hand in to make sure they're okay. I know this, especially from a recent vet trip I had to have with two of my cats. So, yeah. But she doesn't even zip it up. That cat would, if it was one of my cats, they would have jumped out. Just be running down the streets of New York. And that's unacceptable. I just, with this movie, like so much of it, I, I I almost feel bad for Netflix. I almost feel bad for whatever production company made this because apparently like, it, it, but it also I don't because they bought the rights to this movie before it was even fucking published. They hadn't even fully read the book yeah. before they optioned it just because the guy that was writing it was a famous editor. And so they gave him the benefit of the doubt, but like, that's what you get. When you sit there and you option something before it even fucking comes out. Because if you read this book, you would have realized it was just a plagiarized reworking of other shit and not worth your fucking time. And then when they made it, it's the same shit, you know? And then I think Netflix bought it just because they were like, well, it's got some names in it, so let's fucking put it out there. But it almost feels like Netflix didn't watch it either before they bought it. (laughs) Like they just watched the trailer and looked at the cast list and went, well, it's got some stars and it kind of looks like a rear window remake. So fuck it. Let's do it. And then they went, oh, no, this is a bad movie. So what are some of your thoughts about it? I mean, and also it's interesting, too, when you talk about that, the ending that they had wasn't the original ending. Because I just, my my main thought about it whenever the kid, Ethan, is, like, revealed to be the one who's the, the murderer and everything, is he played into the total trope of, I need to explain to you exactly what I did and why. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it just played straight into that. And maybe that's because the ending did change, and so they were lacking a dialogue to finish out this. So they had to fill it with, let me explain why I did it. But it just was, I guess maybe I figured that that was the original ending because of the fact that they go through the detail or they go through the trouble of explaining him, explaining it to her. Like they do in every movie where it's like, Oh, I have to tell you why I did it, you know? And it's of course, it gets old so fast too. And like, you know, it just, what, there was one point when he said something like, you know, I've been watching you, you know, and I I watched you do your video and all these things that he says. And it's like, 
Okay. Like it just, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just feel like they really played into the cliche of, of course, the killer is going to be the person you didn't think. And he's going to explain every detail of this. And it wasn't, it didn't feel motivating enough for me, <laughs> for me to care, like you said. And so I just think that's interesting that that wasn't even what the original ending was supposed to be. Because I feel like most times when movies do that, or they go to the trouble of being like, oh, must explain my motive, then that means the whole time that's what they were doing. You know what I mean? Oh, no, I get it. And I'll say this. Yeah. So I did I did look it up real quick. Mm-hmm. Apparently the book does end with Ethan being the killer. Hmm. So they went with the f- original. Ha- yes, a version of it. Mm-hmm. I haven't been able to find what the original movie ending was yet. But the book ending okay. was that it was Ethan. Now, in the book, apparently, Ethan isn't Alistair's son. He is their adopted son. But hmm. Katie is his birth mother. Um, okay. So they kept that part of it. But instead of it being Alistair's first wife or whatever, it's his birth mom because he's adopted. And, like, he grows up, like, I see. the beginning of his life is her being addicted to crack and getting beat up a lot. And so also in the book, Ethan tells like the Anna character Anne or whatever the fuck her name was that he, he's got an interest quote unquote in older women. Like he likes to fuck older women. And so he, his dad gets fired instead of it being because of whatever. I don't remember what it was in the movie. I didn't care at that point. It was because the last woman he was interested in was his, father's boss's wife and when he went and visited her one day to try to hit on her and fuck her she like turned him down and then he got then his dad got fired type of shit hmm. i don't know if there was anything about the bosses or his secretary or something like that but no like that's his thing is he's like a weird serial killer because he watched his mom get beat up a lot and did crack and he hmm. wants to fuck older women but they won't let him so he kills them or some shit Okay. Honestly, just in general, why was this a story at all (laughs) that needed to be told in any form, you know, because I mean, and I guess the, the book one sounds like it would be a a bit more intriguing, but just everything they did with this movie was so, um, just, they never go beyond just surface level anything with this movie. You know, everything is, um, I mean, I wouldn't say you have to take it at face value, but they don't, they don't go into depth. Like it it lacks any of the emotion or suspense or anything behind any parts of the story. It's very lacking in all of those ways. So you don't really have any emotions. You don't like in the moments when you should maybe feel sad for Amy Adams character or, you know, you feel like, oh, this is an intense moment and I should be like worried or like anxious to know, you know, who's going to make it out. And, you know, I really want to know who actually is the one killing and I want to know if she's right. None of those things really ever come into play with this movie because it's just the story is not told in a captivating way at all. And it just really, it just makes it kind of like it's in the middle of a bunch of other movies that have done it better. (laughs) And this movie is going to be easily forgotten. It's forgettable. It's there. There's just nothing about it that stands out or anything about it. That's really a redeeming quality of the movie. And it's, it's kind of a shame because again, like it's like, like you said, they made you not care about Brian Tyree Henry or, you know, it just, it just all these people that they're great talents and their talents were always, I even, I like Amy Adams. I think she's a great actress, but I just feel like everybody's talent is kind of wasted here. And you're right. The whole thing with Anthony Mackie being the husband, like legitimately that could have been anybody and it wouldn't have mattered. It could have been a, a nobody. It could have been like a somebody who's never been in a movie before, (laughs) like it would not have mattered who that was. So that was a waste of Anthony Mackie talent too. And I don't know. I just feel like 
I don't know. The that part was like when they started getting into what actually happened to her family and all of that. Like that, it started to. I guess that that's the parts when you feel like you're going to start feeling more involved with what's happening here and start caring more about what's happening here. But you don't really. And it's almost like a movie within a movie, just that one scene. And it's very juxtaposed in a way against everything else going on in that movie that it just felt very out of place. And it didn't, not that it didn't make sense because it explained what's going on, but it it just, the way that they told it and how they decided to drop that into the story was really weird and it didn't work. And what was, you said it was what, 40 minutes in or something is when that happens. Yeah. And then you're just like, huh? All right. So what now? And like, it doesn't even give you enough time to wonder if, you know, is the person like, you know, cause a lot of times with those, the twist is like, you find it out at the end. <laughs> and so you're right. It's like, all right, like you didn't give us time to sit on this and dwell on this and try to see if we want to figure out what actually is happening or what happened in their relationship or whatever, you know, like it doesn't give you time to really want to invest in it. And when you do learn, you're not invested because it's just not interesting enough. It's not told in an interesting enough way for it to matter in the long run. So it just has a lot of things going against it, really, because I honestly can't think of anything in this that I can say, this was cool. This was done well. This was great. This was different. It's very plain and very, I don't know, boring, really, is the biggest word that I can think of for it. You know what I mean? Oh, no, I agree. It, yeah, it's, like, yeah. <laughs> every scene in this movie drags out. At no point do any of the scenes keep up with any of the pace of anything before it. It just, everything constantly drags. Even the scenes that are supposed to have urgency, like towards the end, whenever the kid, what's his name, Ethan, is like chasing her down. Mm-hmm. They have her slip in David's blood. And she's like on the ground for nine minutes. Right. <laughs> like she has no urgency to get up. She doesn't even try to get up when she first falls. She just falls and lies there. And then you see David's still alive and grabs Ethan's leg. And so it's like, why? Like, why did, like, I get kind of why they did that. But at the same time, it's like, but why did she take so long to move? Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, and my thing is to like, and maybe, maybe this was clear and I didn't realize it, but was the dad to have, supposed to have like known that this did actually happen and he was helping his son cover it up? Yes. Okay. And the stepmom yeah. or the, yeah, the stepmom was at the end of the movie, he was being charged with the accessory because the mom was just talking. Mm-hmm. The mom was telling all the secrets. Yeah. I mean, and the thing about it too is like, I don't know. I feel like there's one thing when you realize that your son is a serial killer and you want to, you know, you hear about like parents that protect their kids no matter what, and they'll defend them no matter what and be like, no, that's not them. That would never would have been my son. But to actively help make another person feel like they're crazy because of it is a whole different level. And I'm just like, what kind of parent actually is, like, going to be cool with that? Like, all right, not only is my son a killer and I'm protecting him, I'm going to play into this. Really just ruin this other lady's life and make her think she's crazy. Like, who does that? You know what well, I mean? in like, his defense, <laughs> she was crazy without him. This is true. But especially, like, that she is that is not the one that you want to be, like making it worse for her. Because if you already know she has like these pre-existing things going on, and, and to be fair, he didn't know this, but obviously, you know, by the time that the confrontation happens and things are being said and the story's unfolding, like it is not hard to, 
tell pretty quickly that she's got some, some things going on, you know, and then she's got some issues. But, but I honestly do kind of feel like it would have been a better thriller or a better story if it was just kind of like, I don't know, like intentionally do like they were intentionally doing it, but making it to be more of like a malicious thing where they're intentionally trying to make her feel like she's crazy just because they they want to be bad guys and they, they want to prey on somebody who is vulnerable in that way. Like, it, I just feel like that would have been a more interesting story as opposed to just, we fell into having to do this because our son is a murderer. You know, like if it had been like, what if the whole family was planning to do this because they wanted revenge on somebody and she was an easy target to pin it on you know, um, you know, if she saw anything, we know we can make it seem like she's crazy if she does catch us. Like something like that, I feel like would have made for a more captivating story, if that makes sense. You know, I get it. I think not necessarily to be malicious, though. I think they should have just done it to, like you said, kind of just to cover it up. Push her limits just because, to make her more, less believable. Right. Like not, not malicious, like, oh, we want to ruin her life just because that makes us happy. But more like, you know, just kind of like, well, we want to do what we want to do. And if you get in our way, we're going to find a way to fix that problem kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Especially because the dad knows that the son killed the mom. So just be like, look, dude, we're trying to fucking cover up for you. Quit fucking going over there. And yeah, like exposing like potentially exposing yourself and all this shit. Like just make her be more crazy instead of all this other shit. Like none mm-hmm. of that made any sense. Yeah. Or even if it was like a, the whole family was like, you know what? We need this lady, the birth mom or whoever, we need her out of our lives in some way. So an elaborate plan, even to be like, we need to find a way to get rid of her. This is the area. This is the place we want to do it. Nobody's going to know her here. It's more of a secluded type thing. Or if they had done it, something like that. And they're just like, you know what? The only person who might potentially see us is that lady over there. And we know how to make it seem like she doesn't know what she's talking about. If she does see it, you know, even something like that. I don't know. I just feel like it would have been more of an interesting story. If it was kind of like the whole family was in on doing it instead of just like, you know, he messed up. He's, you know, we're trying to keep it under control. So it kind of just like a, a a cause and effect thing. Like, because he did this, now this is our damage control. I feel like if it was something that was more like they had, it was more planned out or it seemed like what was happening or the murder and what they have to do to cover it up was more planned out. It would have seemed like a more put together story. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, because that is apparently in the books, like at the end of the books, they arrest both the adoptive parents because they helped cover up the murder. Mm, but like, okay. yeah, that would have made more sense in this instead of it all of a sudden the stepmom is just talking, talking, talking and exposing the dad. Mm-hmm. Like it just makes no sense because she was all about protecting them before, mm-hmm. you know, when it was a, allegations of child abuse and shit, she was all about protecting him then. But as soon as it becomes... Oh, yeah. well, he covered up this woman's murder that your, you know, your son did or that your stepson did. Then all of a sudden she's like, you know what? Fuck all this. I'm going to start saying <laughs> everything now. Yeah. I mean, and even if there's like that, her character was like, I'm having a change of heart because I realize this is wrong, but you don't get to know her enough to know if that's what they were going for with that, you know? So it just looks more like not like just like, hey, I want to cover it up. Oh, now I don't. Oh, yeah, because she has a total of, what, three lines in almost the whole movie? Yeah. Yeah, of course she wants to spill her guts off camera. She didn't talk the rest of the damn movie. And that's also a waste of Jennifer Jason Lee. (laughs) So it's it's just like they're, they, again, like falling into that trap of, we want to put a lot of big names in here so that you want to watch it, but then just make it to where there's no substance to it whatsoever. I feel like that's been happening more and more over the past, like five years, 10 years. And this is just the same thing. It's like, we have a huge cast. People are going to love this. 
But then suddenly it's just like, but it's not a very coherent or good movie. It's not real well written. It's not, it, it's, it goes through the motions and that's it. It goes through the motions of this is a story and we're trying hard to make you think this is a mystery suspense movie, but we're giving you the bare minimum to put it in that category of movie. Oh yeah. The, the way this movie goes through the motions is like, it's a bad marriage that's about to end. Everybody is just, <laughs> they're not even half-assing it. They're just, they're going through the motions and not believing anything they're doing or anything. Like, you, the writers did it. And oddly enough, one of the writers mm-hmm. of this movie, like one of the screenwriters, the one that adapted it from the book, plays the psychiatrist. Oh, really? Yeah. And hmm. so it's like everybody just went through the motions of technically making a movie but at no point did they ever stop to think, are we doing the right thing for this movie? Are we doing anything right? Yeah. No, I agree. It's, I mean, yeah, because I feel like, too, you said that, you know, they adapted it from the book. And it, it's almost just like when you decided you wanted to put this on screen, how did you not have all these red flags go up of like, oh, this is familiar, <laughs> this has been done before and it's been done in a better way. And we're going to also have a whole lot to live up to if we're trying to do this type of story. That's so close to rear window, you know? Well, and it's not like the director or anybody didn't realize it. They put technically a scene from rear window in the opening credits of this movie, showing the main character watching that movie. Yeah, that is, that's true. But I mean, just, I guess the idea of like you, they thought so much that this was going to work. You know, this was going to come out. Was this going to come out in theaters? Oh, yeah. This was supposed to be a 2020 theatrical release. Oh, yeah. That would have been rough. They they would have probably lost a lot of money on that. I don't know. I don't think this movie was that expensive. I don't think a lot of these actors took like their normal fee because they were barely in it. And I guess maybe not lost money, but they definitely wouldn't have made a lot of money if they had put this in theaters. I don't think it would have, but maybe not. I mean, let me see. I'm going to look up the budget. Can you imagine if this had been like the the first movie that like Ooh. after theaters opened back up again? Like, can you imagine if this was the first movie they released? How disappointing that would have been for people? <laughs> oh, yeah, they definitely they definitely made a loss on this movie selling it to Netflix. Because this budget really? for this movie was $40 million. And Really? I know they didn't do a ton of marketing beforehand, so they probably didn't hit the $80 million total budget with advertising and marketing like we typically mm-hmm. would say for a movie, which is what? you So you double the budget or at least 2.5 times the budget. So that would be what? 80 to, ooh, $100 million. Ooh. Is what they would have mm. needed to break even on this movie? Oh, man. And so let's just say they'd only done $10 million worth of marketing before this movie got sold to Netflix. I guarantee you Netflix didn't pay no $50 million for the rights to this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. I mean, Netflix at most probably paid 10 or 20 for this movie. And I like I said, I think that they were just like, you know what? They hated the first ending we gave them. They hated the second ending we gave them. Let's just fucking get rid of this movie now. Let's just get <laughs> yeah, rid of it. Yeah, that's very possible. And get whatever money we can, because we are definitely not making shit back. I think they realized that they weren't yeah. even going to make $40 million at the box office for it. I mean, I think that yeah. this would have been one of those things where maybe its first week it would have made fifteen, Because you would have gotten mm-hmm. some people just going, oh, maybe this will be a somewhat decent remake of Rear Window. And maybe would have saw it. But then yeah. after that, it would have dropped to like one million because everybody would have gone, "Oh, it's bad." Hmm. Yeah. So they just probably realized, "Let's cut our losses now. <laughs> we can't even come up with the ending that we feel is going to work. So let's just cut our losses and do this." Instead. Oh yeah. I mean, especially because, like, when you look at this, and like when you look up, like, just try, like, when I was just trying to find what the original movie ending was for this movie. There was no less than like 30 articles trying to explain the ending of this movie because it's just that dumb. Wow. And incoherent with the rest of the movie. 
which like I said, is sad because that's more or less how the book ends. Like there's some differences from the book, but that's ultimately how the book ends, you know? And with it being that bad and that far off that you need so many articles to explain it, you know, you did a bad job because that means the movie didn't tell you the end. Yeah. No, I agree. And there's like, I mean, there's movies out there and there's this, there's a movie that it's not quite this and it's not trying to be a remake of this, but it has a similar feel to it. It's this movie called run, which is actually on Hulu. And um, it's Sarah Paulson is uh, she plays the mom and her daughter is um, in a wheelchair. You know, she's, she can't walk on her own and stuff like this. And like, that is it's similar in the way that the daughter suspects something is going on and she keeps seeing things happening and she's trying to piece it together and figure it out. And it's just got that similar vibe to what this movie was doing in parts or trying to do, but run does it in a much better way. Like they actually have tension. They have the suspense. They have like what you want in a movie like that, where it's just like, I feel like somebody's trying to manipulate me and you know what? I'm going to prove that I'm right and whatever. And then there's the twist and then there's all this and you just, you, you feel all those things that I think this movie wanted you to feel with what a suspense thriller movie is run does that well. And, And I'm only making that comparison because it's like a modern version of things that we've sort of seen in other movies, but just the more modern modernized version or newer version of it but it's just kind of like all of the emotion that woman in the window wanted to have and give you and all those thrilling suspenseful feelings it just misses the mark big time where other movies that are even remade you know they are still doing those things and they're doing them well and making better movies than this so Something is disconnected here. There's some kind of disconnect with why this just does not work. Well, when I look it up, this director has done some good movies. I mean... Who's the director again? Joe Wright. He directed Atonement, Pride and Prejudice, The Soloist, Hannah, and uh, Anna Karina. He's done an episode of Black Mirror. He did The Darkest Hour which was that Gary Oldman, uh, Winston Churchill movie. Like, what so this, happened? this guy knows what he's doing, but I don't think this guy's <laughs> ever done a suspense movie before. And this guy kind of fell into the, the problem that a lot of thrillers do when they're directed by somebody that doesn't know what they're doing with it. And mm. they end up mistaking like a slow pace with tension. Yeah. Like and it is a fine line, honestly. It's a fine line which is very apparent in this movie. <laughs> well, but your your pacing has to be good enough to where every time you're building tension and you might start losing it and might end up dragging it too long or going into a, like a boring part or something like that, you have to then do something to get the tension back. And what this movie does yeah. is it just goes, here's a clue. And then it's just boring Mm -hmm. until the next clue. It never does anything to like try to salvage itself. It never does anything to build anything. It just kind of throws clues at you in a very clumsy way. You know, every time it's like it cuts off the, it cuts it off right before it gets to that intense or suspenseful moment, you know? Well, it's just because they clumsily throw it at you. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like instead of it being like a subtle thing or yeah, you know, just something small or anything like that, they just go, here's a clue. <laughs> and then they yeah. wait 20 minutes and go, here's a clue. You know, right. It's just so yeah. ham fisted. There's no subtlety to it. There's no, like, like I said, there's no tension because it's just so, you know, they're just going to shove it in your face. It's almost like, the the person who like has a secret but they just they can't wait to tell you it <laughs> where it's like i know what's going to happen okay let me tell you what's going to happen you know so you don't get the really the full measure of that build up because well, they they you know reveal it 
before you can have that. Well, to me, it's kind of like that asshole friend that goes, I've, oh my God, I just got told the juiciest secret, but I can't tell you about it. But I can't, I can't tell you about it. And then you go, okay, you don't have to tell me. I understand. And then you go, oh my God, but it's so juicy. It's just the greatest secret in the world. <laughs> and then you go, well, fine, tell me. And then they go, no, no, no I can't. And you go, okay, I understand. You, you know, you got to, you know, you have trust with that other person. You can't tell. And then you go, but oh my God, I wish I could tell you. It's so juicy. And then finally you're like, you know what? I don't care. Like you can keep saying that all you want. I just, I don't even care anymore. And then they go, well, here it is. And then it's the most dull, boring secret ever. And you go, that was it. All that <laughs> shit for that. Yeah. Like, I guess that's true too. That might be a more accurate explanation. Because like this movie is like, it keeps going like, oh my God, there's going to be a twist. Oh my God. It's going to be so twist horrific. All the twist. And then you go, <laughs> oh, okay, well like, are you going to give me a clue to the twist? And it's like, oh no, I'm not going to give you a clue. And you go, okay, I understand. You don't want to give it away too early. And then they go, but oh my God, it's going to be such a twist. And then the, <laughs> like, then that first twist happens where you find out the family's dead. And you go, that was it? And they go, oh my God, no, there's such another twist. And you go, well, can I get a clue about that? And you go, oh my God, no, I don't want to ruin it. But the twist. And then the <laughs> twist happens and you're like, that's it? I mean, I'm not yeah. going to lie. This movie felt like an M. Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> like, you know, there was going to be a twist ending, but like, it just sucks. You just don't care anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. honestly, I mean, and- at the end of the movie, you're waiting for the twist because you just want it to fucking end at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of, yeah, it's somewhere in between because I think you, that is the most accurate description, probably, but. I don't know. I just feel like it almost cuts itself off at the knees where you're just kind of like right when you're about to get to a part where you would have made this a better suspenseful moment or movie, you you fall short. You just stop, you know? Um, But yeah, no, I think maybe the way you explained it might also be better, but it's, I don't know. It's just not suspense is just a really like loose term for what this actually is. And Oh, I think it's the wrong yeah. term. Yeah. I don't even think it's the a loose term. No, I think it's just the wrong word. I think yeah. it's a, what there's synonym and antonym. It's an antonym to suspense. This movie is an antonym to suspense. It's just the exact opposite of what suspense yeah. is. And I think it's just because Joe Wright has never done a movie like this. And so it's just when you're doing movies that are more straightforward and then you go into this, you're just like, oh. This guy just doesn't know what he's doing. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's a pretty impressive resume he has prior to this. So I don't I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, but pretty much every other movie the guy's done has been straightforward. Yeah. You know, they just tell a linear story. He's <laughs> he never had to do anything go. like this. <laughs> yeah. And I hope he learned his lesson to never do it again. Pretty much. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not good. And then, and, and I think it's an extra letdown for me because I love suspense thriller movies. You know, like those are my, those are my main, you know, movies that I love. Like we talked about Disturbia earlier. Honestly, like that might be one of my favorite suspenseful movies, not just because it's like the most amazing movie ever, but for me, as far as entertainment value goes and actually having suspense and having those moments of, is this real? Is this not real? Whatever. They do a great job of that. Like, you know, suspenseful movies are the best. Like I love those types of movies and that's why it's sort of an extra letdown because it, it's none of that, (laughs) you know, it's, yeah, it's just very, I guess, amateur level of everything with this movie. Well, I like how you said that amateur level, because this does feel like a student film of somebody that thinks they can make Rear Window better than Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh, you got any more thoughts about this movie? Um, not any good ones or any new ones. <laughs> yeah, I just don't. I'm. I don't. I just don't want to talk about it anymore. I feel like we have put more effort into this podcast 
than they did in this movie. And I feel like if we just keep going, we're going to turn into this movie because it should have ended well before it did. I just, mm-hmm. I don't want to re- repeat the stakes <laughs> that Joe Wright made. <laughs> oh, I do. I do have one more quick thing though. Um, the part when I think the part where it actually started getting more on the, the most, I guess the most interesting, I think the movie did get with, with the story was the part when Amy Adams character, you know, noticed and remember that she had like that, that picture of the mom on her camera. And like from that on is when I was like, Oh, okay, this is about to get really good. You know, we're going to get some, some better stuff, you know? And then that's when Wyatt Russell's character also comes into play in a, I guess, more important aspect, but again, cut off at the knees where it's kind of like just when he's starting to become somebody that you kind of root for more, or you, you feel like you're getting to know more about who that character actually is. And like, you're curious about him. Like, is he a good guy? Does he want to help her? Is he going to help her? And then bam, it's just, it's cut off too short because he dies before you get to find out anything. So it's just moments like that and things like that where it's like literally you're about to get to something that could be good and then you're your own worst enemy in cutting it short before it gets to a good point. And that's what I think I mean by just very surface level of everything they do here. See, I don't even think, like I don't even necessarily agree with that because like, well, she was just going through her pictures and then she happened to remember that one but I don't even think you could clearly enough see whose face that was in there to really make a definitive thing in there. I think it was a really big stretch and they used some movie magic because then they were like, she would took it to her computer and zoomed in on it hardcore and it was just right. like more crystal clear. Yeah. And, and that is true for sure. But well, I'm just saying at but least like, what they tried to do with it. But I'm just saying though, that like blowing up a picture like that would make it blurrier. It's not going to make it like, that's the big TV and movie problem whenever they <laughs> blow up anything yeah. is that it's still crystal fucking clear when they do it. Like you can't yeah, do that. No, like, that's true. She does have an iPhone and like iPhone cameras are really good. And you know, it does have a good meg, uh, megapixel count so that kind of helps with some of that stuff. But at the same time, it's just even more clear when she blows it up. And then like, yeah, that's then true. She drops her computer and it's just like, all of a sudden it doesn't work, which is also the big fallacy with electronics. Her screen probably would have cracked, but this like most likely it still would have worked, but just been cracked. Like convenience factor, of course. Yeah, they just up it real quick right there, you know. But then she goes yeah. back and like she has it on her phone, but it's still crystal clear when you zoom in that much. And nothing's ever that crystal clear on that shit. Like Right. Because you're not actually sitting there and taking the time to then edit the picture properly to get that good enough of quality. Like if you just straight up take a picture with an iPhone, it doesn't necessarily give you, they're just the crispest picture ever. You do typically have to like, especially on some of those things, play with some of the settings a little bit like a photographer would with a camera. And that's how like for photographers can still get really good pictures with an iPhone and stuff like that. But like, it's never that clear. Like I've taken pictures and then had to zoom in on them and I'm like, Oh fuck. I can't see that. Yeah. You know? So it's just a damn mess. Like I, I, I really hated that scene because it's just like, Oh yeah. Convenience technology all over the place. <laughs> and that is true. I, I can't argue that that's absolutely true. But at least at that point, I feel like they were trying harder to make the story go at a, better pace or a more interesting pace or just the, at that point, I feel like they they were actually about to start at least doing something interesting with what was happening in the story. But I agree. I mean, obviously, and that's totally something that can ruin more than it already was, you know, realizing those, like <laughs> those technical things and like the convenience of how that will or won't work in those moments, it really can take away from what's going on, especially if there's already so many other like flaws in this movie, they start just becoming more and more apparent, the more of them that they have. So I totally get that it it would take away. But for me, at least that was the part that was starting to make it become interesting. And it quickly, again, you know, was its own worst enemy. So it, it quickly 
you know, took away that theory that I had that it was about to get to something decent. Um, yeah, it, it ruined itself, but, but yeah, no, I get what you mean though. Yeah. I was so checked out at that point. I didn't even care. <laughs> I was just like, please yeah. fucking end. That's all I wanted. I hear that. But yeah, that, that was my only other add on I had for this. Well then on that note, thank you guys for listening to this bonus episode of the Simulators podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.simulators.com. Or Facebook, where we're Cinema Slayers Podcast. Or Twitter and Instagram, where we're Cinema Underscore Slayers. Uh, give us a rating and review. Thanks to Plug Migo for our song. Thanks to Mundo Ochoa for our uh, logo. Uh, tell your mothers, especially because they'll want to hear me wine drunk. You, you don't <laughs> have to tell the rest of your family and friends about this one. Just tell your mothers. Because mothers will understand how drunk I am right now. So... Tell them about it, especially, and just remember, always, even though he's not here, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. You were a lot more coherent with your wine drunkness than I expected you to be on this. My mouth is so dry, though.